podcast, we talk about everything tabletop RPG related, mainly with a focus on Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, but we like a little bit of everything around here. In this episode, we're going to be starting off a discussion into creating homebrew. We've done some homebrew reviews, a little homebrew discussion here or there, but we're going to talk about how do we actually create homebrew, whether it be for our games, uh, for other people to use, for any product that you might want to publish or something like that. And we're going to start off with, I don't want to say it's the easiest, but it probably is. It's the type of homebrew where everyone kind of first dips their toes in. And we're going to talk about how to create a homebrew magic item. So generally, I mean, as as always with any form of homebrew, you ask yourself the question of why are you making this homebrew? Um, and normally you can ask yourself things like, if I create this, is there not an item that already exists that I could just use? Is there not an item that I can maybe take another item and just edit it a little bit? Or am I creating a magic item just because I really want to make a magic item? And that's okay too. So the reason that Dungeons & Masters tend to first, and players I guess, tend to dip their toes in with magic item creation first is, I mean it's the reason that I did it, is you think, like, what type of loot am I giving my players? And often you want your players to have some pretty great loot. Like, you want your players to have cool magic items and things because that's fun. It fulfills the superhero, the the, the hero fantasy that Dungeons & Dragons is all about. But I think another thing, well, for me it was that when I started playing D&D... As a player, we just had the player's handbook. And that's what we'll use. We pass it around the table to figure out how to play and everything like that. And then when I first started DMing, I also, I just bought the player's handbook. I didn't have the DM's guild, I mean, the Dungeon Master's Guide for the first couple of months. And even when I got it, I like skimmed through a lot of it. I was like, okay, a lot of the stuff I kind of know anyway and like like doing on my own. And then only, I think, around the time, or months after I started playing D&D, did someone say like, cool, we're doing a one shot, you can choose uh, magic items from table A or table B, and I was like, what? And I go and I look, and that's a like, there's so many magic items in the Dungeon Master's Guide, and I feel like the magic items themselves aren't common knowledge for people that are just starting off with like bare minimum stuff, so people end up creating magic items, so that's like an easy launching point. So let's talk about how. How do we do this? So when I create magic items, I tend to ask myself three major broad questions. Why, how, and then what? And by asking myself those questions, it's like a staggered approach that ends up at the final answer of what. What is this magic item itself? So when I go through these questions, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use a magic item that I've created, which is freely available to introduce into your games, if you like, on the uh, on the RPG's pod Instagram page called The Butcher's Blade. It's a plus two greatsword that once per turn, when dealing damage, you can deal additional damage equal to your character level in necrotic damage. It also allows you to cast the spells Fear and Phantasmal Force once per long rest each, using Charisma as your spellcasting modifier. We're going to talk more about that item and how I use the why, how, and what questions to get me there. So let's let's go. Let's roll. So 
the first thing you're gonna ask yourself is why. I mean, the broad why of why am I making homebrew kind of thing is always there, but the main thing for why for your magic item is you want to think, am I making this for mechanics reasons or am I making this magic item for narrative reasons? Those are the two major whys and those will influence things as you go later on. So we use an example for why. Why am I creating this? For mechanical reasons. Let's say you have a party of four players. You've got a barbarian, a champion fighter, a monk, and a rogue. And you find that their lack of healer is really, really hampering them. It's making encounters that shouldn't be super intense, like near game ending all the time. And... Or it means that your players tend to have long rests and short rests more often, which is really slowing down the pace of your campaign. That's fine. So then you think, okay, cool. Mechanics reasons, I need to introduce something that my players can use to heal themselves. That's a mechanics reason for wanting to create it. Cool. Or are you creating this magic item as more of a world-building tool? You can have both, but it tends to always be one, either world-building or mechanics tends to be the more... One of them tends to be more prevalent than the other. So for world building, you could, for instance, say, I'm going to create an elemental bane dagger, a dagger that deals um, an extra three damage die when attacking elementals. It deals 1d4 normal, but it does an extra 3d8, I don't know, uh, force damage to elementals. Okay, Why? Is it a world building thing? Maybe the world building thing is that your world is the, the 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 material plane is a small island surrounded by a sphere of the elemental planes, and elemental beings are a constant threat to those in the material plane. So artificers and wizards centuries ago had to create items to arm like the city guards and arm just the general to the general populace. To protect themselves against elemental threats. Cool. World building reason for creating this magic item that doesn't exist otherwise. So that's really your answer, your question. So why did I create the butcher's blade? So in my home game, um, it was set, it's set on this magical island where there's a very rich history of the ancestry. There's all these playable races, there's the elves. Um, animal folk like wolf folk and cat folk and rabbit folk or specific names I won't bore anyone with that and but they all had a common ancestor this magical being magical people known as the Indikai and these almost like pyramids these like tombs uh, was dotted around the island and it was like a dungeon quest for the players that they would delve into these tombs and then there would be like a little quest that they as they dungeon dive and the quest relates to the Indikai who was buried there as significant Indikai. And then once you defeat the tomb or complete it, there is a magical artifact that the Indikai, that particular Indikai figure used. That was what I was used. I was like, cool. So I'm creating this magic item for that purpose. And obviously, in the context of the campaign, the players had already encountered a couple other Indikai items and stuff. So that was fine. So the concept of these magic items was built as a world-building tool more than anything else. But now the Butcher's Blade itself, 
The butcher's blade was wielded by a tyrant, a warmongering, violent Indikai known as Takath. So I wanted to world build and that I wanted the players to see that not all Indikai were good because the players were starting to believe like, ah, oh, what happened? Why why didn't Indikai fall? Like, what was the deal? They've done everything right. Maybe that's how we're supposed to emulate. And then it was like, oh, wait, significant doesn't always mean good. So I wanted to introduce this character that had this vicious great sword. So I wanted this item to build that portion of the world. So that's the why. And you're creating it for mechanic purposes or you're creating it for world building purposes. So then we get to the how. Now the how is generally how are you going to create it? How are you going to implement it more so than anything else? So are you going to make a magic item that's supposed to just be for your players? Are you making a magic item that you want to have be in the world in general as for world building? Or do you want to create a magic item that you want to publish elsewhere? Because how you're going to create this magic item, or for what reason, I guess, is going to influence the what tremendously. Let's use an example that we go back to the healer, the healing, let's say you created like gloves of healing, um, braces of healing or something that allowed you to um, replace one of, one of, when you make an attack, you can replace one of the attacks with uh, a, like a lay on hands kind of a feature and healing for 1d6. Let's just say. Cool. You've created this item. You're in a party where no one else is really a good healer. The only thing you got to really think of is, all right, the monk maybe could abuse us with flurry of blows. So you're creating it for your party. That's the how. How you're implementing it. You're implementing it for your party. You know really how much it can be broken in that sense. If you're creating it just for people to publish, people to use, then you need to take into account how strong could this be in general? And then you take into account uncommon, rare, and, and so on varieties. So not only that, the how is not necessarily just how are you implementing it, but the how is also how are you achieving the thing you wanted with the why. As I said, the how for you wanted people to be able to heal. So the how, what are you going to do? Are you going to make it uh, do you want it to heal or do you want it to do more damage so that people don't need to heal? Do you want to have it that you feel like maybe short rests are the problem so you want to remove the concept of short rests and this item allows you to, as an action, give like a wave, a pulse of short rest effects or something like that. So that is the how. How are you broadly looking to achieve this? So for me in the how... With the butcher's blade at the time, my player, my my players were a gunslinger um, who was purely dex had almost no strength. Uh, a tempest cleric who was going more on the casting route and was quite happy with uh, with the loadout. Um, a creation bard, a and there's one other character that I am missing right now. Uh, and then this, and then the human fighter. That's what I was thinking of. We had an Aldrich Knight, but the Aldrich Knight that was more dex based than anything else. Okay, so therefore, with that all in mind, none of my players were particularly strong. So I knew that if I wanted to implement it in my game, it wouldn't be broken. I could make a very strong greatsword and it wouldn't be broken for this party. Even if the greatsword was very strong, 
the players wouldn't always hit with it and things like that. So how am I implementing it? I'm implementing it just for my party. Because that takes into account then, cool, now I have lots of options for how I'm going to get to that point. I have, I know that my party has this weakness and this strength, so take it from there. And that leads directly into the what. What is this magic item itself? What are we going for here? With your why, you found out you need you need something to do with healing. With the how, you realized, cool, you've only got martial characters in your party. So need to do something that, there's no point in creating now a magic item that requires you to be able to cast spells. Dumb. You're not going to be able to use it then. So rather, now you've got your what, now you think, okay, now... Like the players that are most likely, am I going to make it just like braces that can replace an unarmed strike, but then only the monk is going to be able to use it? Do I want to make a magic item that's just for the monk? So let's take it from there. So when it comes to creating things for your party in particular, or I guess your party only, you really can think about what mechanics will work nicely for your party and what mechanics will work nicely in general and your party means that they won't abuse it. So then we look at the Butcher's Blade, plus two greatsword. No one in my party was strength-based. So when the champ- when the Eldritch Knight inevitably was the one that started wielding the greatsword, it wasn't busted. He had like a plus two to his strength, or I think that was a plus one maybe. Um, so wielding it, with at like level five or level six, which they were very low level to have such a flippin' strong magical item, but, I mean, that's just that's just a school of thought for me. I really like giving my players really strong magical items and seeing what they do with it. It also means that my players are stronger so I can throw cooler monsters at them. But that's that's a narrative for another day. So when you get to the magic item itself, you can really think about mechanics-wise now, how do I achieve my why and my how? So greatsword, plus two to attack and damage, deals extra damage, equal to necrotic damage, cool, that means, extra necrotic damage equal to the character level, perfect, my players are like level 6, that's not doing tons of damage, that's not busted, will it be very strong at a much higher level, sure, might my players not get to that level, also a possibility, as the DM, could I MacGuffin my way into removing that that, that item some way, somehow, for sure, I did it, the BBEG ended up, was trying to collect all these artifacts, so the BBG stormed a wedding, crashed a wedding, and sliced the Eldritch Knight's hand off and took the great sword with him. So really, this is like a guideline for how you create or what you're creating, especially if it's for your party. But then what about if you want to create something that's for the world, for a setting book maybe, that you want to be balanced? Because balance when you're making something just for your party, is really subjective. You can really ramp up the encounters, make the encounters specifically be strong against, like if you give, like I gave my, much later down the line, I gave my Tempest Cleric a legendary magic item, a homebrew legendary magic item, Armor of the Stormcaller, which was really, really cool. Did tons of, uh, boosted the AC tremendously and allowed allowed him to be able to use like Wrath of the Storm more often, all these kinds of things. His decks are still really low. I could still fireball 
the cleric and i would like, i am the one that creates the encounters if i'm worried that the cleric is doing too much it was not going to be able to be hit by the one the, the i don't know the one like um blade singer-esque monster then give the blade singer-esque monster fireball as well you control that but for a magic item that you're going to use for your whole for a setting or for you want to publish or something like that then you've got to take into account the rarity system. Uncommon, rare, very rare, and legendary. Because that's the only quote-unquote objective thing that other DMs will be able to do to decide whether to give their players this magic item you've created. And uncommon items are tend to be for level 1s to 5s. Rare, 5 to 10. Very rare, 11 and up. And then legendary is 17 and up. So that's a ballpark figure. Obviously, GMs can decide to give a legendary item to the level fives and then deal with the consequences. But you've at least been like, this is a legendary level strength magic item. So the easiest way to go about into making sure your item kind of fits roughly in that is to take a couple of magic items of those rarities. Open up the Dungeon Master's Guide, look at, load up D&D Beyond and see your plus, your plus one longsword that allows you to cast teleport once per day i don't know stupid example is that as strong as a vorpal sword think about it um i know it's, if you give a magic item the ability to cast a spell comparing it compare it to a spell scroll because spell scrolls also have various rarities and then take it from there so overall oh one last thing is the what how to decide these magic effects in general as i said you've looking at your party everything like that but if you're doing it especially if you're doing it just for a uh, a broad campaign setting perhaps or something like that think back especially if you're thinking about creating magic item when you go back to your why is creating it for a campaign setting think about what flavor you're trying to encapsulate you've created it for world building what world building are you trying to do here and how do you do it with this magic item think back to the example of the elemental bane dagger you wanted to get across that these weapons are readily available and they provide some 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 some, some protection against this elemental threat do you want the elemental threat to be a great threat for the party then make sure that an elemental bane dagger is uncommon, rare at most, because the story you're trying to tell with that is that everyone should have one of these. It's a basic form of defense. So if you've got something that, but it shouldn't be so strong that it means that the elementals are no longer a threat. Otherwise, you know, that's not the story you're trying to tell. If you're trying to tell a story where, centuries ago wizards and, and artificers created this dagger and since then the elementals haven't been a threat yeah then make it really strong make it strong enough that it should be able to take out a fire elemental by itself in two or three hits you know so for for Takat's butcher's blade i knew i wanted something that was going to show that this significant indikai was a devastating warrior and i knew i wanted something that was going to strike fear into his enemies i had this picture in my head of this massive warrior on the battlefield just taking out swaths of enemies and the enemies that he didn't take out himself ran in fear and cover so i was like okay 
So I definitely wanted to give a bonus to plus one, plus two. I decided on plus two because I thought plus three was a bit too much. Um, and cool, but that doesn't give enough extra damage. And I also wanted to get across this idea of it being like this corrupted sword. So extra necrotic damage. I know that um, uh, Asimars get that extra damage per turn. And I know it's not a busted feature. It's strong, but not busted. So let's just give that Asimar feature. Asimars weren't in my campaign, not in the setting. So it couldn't stack. Perfect. Now, how do I get the fear thing across? Well, that's when I did it. I added fear and I added Phantasmal Force and the ability to cast it. So whenever you think about what magic item you're creating, think about the why you're creating it, how you're going to be implementing it, and then what it is, and take it from there. But that's it. Not a particularly long discussion into creating. I think creating homebrew magic items is the quickest and easiest of the creations, especially when you're creating just for your party. Balance can kind of be tossed out the window and you can edit it as you go. But that's a decent approach to creating a magic item. And that's all for this week's episode of the RPGs Podcast.